Hello, everyone, and welcome to Novel. This is your host, Caleb Linville. Today, I'm excited to present to you episode two of When the Mountains Called by Shannon Baker. But first, some quick announcements. Novel is always looking for new, exciting, and thought-provoking stories to present on our podcast. If you have a story or a story idea that you would like to share with us for consideration for future seasons, please contact Novel at clinville at novelpodcast.net. That's C-L-I-N-V-I-L-L-E at novelpodcast.net or you can visit our website novelpodcast.net for more information if you're listening to novel then i assume one reason is because you like stories i mean who doesn't like a good story and the stories novel produces have quite a few bizarre otherworldly and thought-provoking sections as you might expect from fiction The podcast I want to tell you about today, however, has all of these elements with one crucial difference. All the stories you hear are, in fact, true. The podcast is called the Adventure Sports Podcast, and the host, Mason, interviews extreme outdoor athletes from all over the world. When you listen to the Adventure Sports Podcast, you'll hear people recount stories of traveling around the world on a bike or climbing the Seven Summits or sailing around and through much of North America on a boat which fits in the back of a pickup truck. Seriously, some of the stories truly are otherworldly. The river is safe. Float on through, do not fear. Its water is strong and steady, and it is stronger than you. But do not be afraid. Its strength is for you, and it will carry you past all your memories that wait on the banks, that loom from the banks over your head to catch you and snag you and keep you from flowing past as you are made to do, if you only let go. Let go, the river is safe. Your memories wait on the banks, the ones that are good and the ones that are bad, waiting, just waiting for you to float past and see them and be reminded of things you thought were dead and gone. And when you do, when you relax into the current and are carried by these memories, you will cringe as you pass the bad ones the ones that are pain and sadness and loss. But it's often the good ones that will hurt the most, the ones of joy and peace and sepia-covered days, the ones that hurt because they are what they are now, just memories. When you pass the memories, it's tempting to turn against the current and swim upstream, or try to, to get away from the bad ones or to frantically chase after the good ones, those painful past joys that tug at your heart and tell you that it's life back there. But swimming against the current is tiring, and it only prolongs your exposure to the good and bad memories. 
both of which can hurt you if you're not careful. Because they're on the banks now, and by their nature are meant to be observed, but not lived. Do not swim against the current. It is fruitless and exhausting, and if you would only surrender to its path, the current will carry you along, past the painful memories, good and bad, no matter how many times it has had to do so before. For you will pass them, these memories, the ones on the banks. You will observe them and be reminded of them. But do not be afraid, they cannot hurt you. And do not be ashamed. It is life to remember these things, to remember the pain and joy. But it is not life to dwell in them. The river knows this, and it wants to help you. Take a deep breath and float. You might pass the memories thousands of times in this particular loop of the river, and yet, though you do not, the current knows its path and knows the way out. Do not fight the current. Do not cling to the banks. Loosen your fingertips and let the blood flow to your knuckles again, the ones that have clung so long to a bank that offers nothing but sore joints in the pretense of life, and let go. The river is safe, it will cradle you, and you do not have to be afraid. Right now you fix your eyes on what it seeks to carry you from, and not the life it promises to carry you towards. Instead, look forward. The current is constant, the promise is there, but it is your choice to trust it. He woke up across the river at the bottom of the valley, curled on the grass that blew at the foothills of the mountain. It had been a dream, but the pain he felt in his gut when he woke up confused him, blurring the line between dreamland and reality. Though, of course, he knew he was for all intents and purposes dead, and so perhaps it hadn't been a dream at all. The image of the river floating by the memories on the banks, the call to let the current carry him, painful tug he felt in his gut trying to do so. Perhaps now that he was dead, dreams and reality weren't so easily separable. He could no longer simply wake up, push the dream away, and leave his little shack of a house to pull up carrots in the garden, or stare out at the boundary of the valley below his fields. He could not make just one cup of coffee, ignoring Pearl's cracked, dusty, peach-colored mug that hung from the iron hooks that had also claimed her cookware for the past 25 years. He could not sit on the porch, watching the ants investigate the particularly mossy floorboard on the second step, which needed repairing, he would think absentmindedly as he sipped his bitter cup, though, of course, he never would, because the rotting wood had become commonplace and comfortable, and therefore had its place there in his home. No, he could do none of these things, because he had somehow passed the boundary between his house and beyond, between what was considered life and what therefore had to only be death. He laid on the grass at the base of the hills, just past the gentle swirling water of the river. He didn't remember swimming across, not even in his dream, but somehow he was on the other side of the water, 
one step further from the home he hadn't left since Pearl had died. Perhaps that was why he felt such an ache in his stomach. That, and he was hungry, which was frustrating since he didn't think he, being dead, was supposed to be hungry. What could he eat out here? He had no pack, no water bottle, he was not at all prepared to hike and hunt for food, and he hadn't been hiking since the day before... No. He wouldn't think about it. Take a deep breath and float, said a voice in his mind, quoting his dream. Don't swim away from the memories. Relax. He shook his head as if that would shake the voice loose and cast it away into the soft breeze that swirled over the surface of the river beside him, forming eddies in the water. He had been swimming away from memories for 25 years, turning his head from the banks the moment Pearl's soft blue eyes blinked into his mind. To not look, to not acknowledge, was to move on. And this is what he had done. He had moved on, pressing the memories to the banks of his mind, thinking that if he didn't, if he didn't push them as hard as he could, they would spill over the banks and into the river with him, swirling around his ankles and washing over his head, eventually pushing him under, holding him under until he drowned in a baptism of the past. His stomach tugged at him again. Did he really think that? Were his memories that malicious? He thought of Pearl, her soft laugh, her tough hands, weathered from gardening, which were still somehow the gentlest things he had ever felt when she had held his wrist and leaned into him to watch the sun set below the peaks of the mountains. Surely any memory of her could not be so dangerous, so lethal, so lethal as to drown him if they looked at him. After all, he was already dead, wasn't he? Hadn't he crossed that boundary? His toe was in the river. He was hungry, but his toe was in the river. The water was cool, and it eased the tug in his stomach. He put his whole foot in. The bottoms of his corduroy pants instantly fanned out in the water, little pieces of sediment catching in the cuff. He looked at the silhouette of his house in the distance where it stood on the hill, as it always had. If he got in the river, he would be leaving it. Do not cling to the banks. Would he be able to find his way home? He wasn't sure. He didn't know what death allowed and what it did not. But he did know the way of the river, which he had watched for the past couple decades from his fields. He knew that it meandered east to the rising sun and disappeared around the rolling hills towards the base of the mountains beyond. Towards the mountains, which terrified him. The river is safe. He had never been much of a swimmer, but then again, he was already dead. He waded in up to his hips, the iciness of the water shocking him and making his feet tingle. His pants filled with water, but the only tug he felt now was that of the current, insistent but yet gentle. The current is constant, the promise is there. What promise? What was there to look to? Pearl was gone, and he was dead. He looked up at his house. But if he was dead, then Pearl would be here, wouldn't she? Traversing the hills, even floating in the river somewhere downstream, face angled up to the sun. His heart jolted at the thought. His gaze went downriver towards the base of the mountains. Come, they had said. Come. To where? To her? His pulse quickened at the thought. His fingers tingled and her blue eyes swam before him. 
Surely that was what he, they meant. Surely that was why he was dead. To find her again. Hope was dangerous. He'd learned that from a series of treatments. But he could not help but hope. It flickered in him, ignorant of the water around it, growing and growing. He was up to his waist now. The current pulled, still gentle yet insistent. Let go. The river is safe. He looked back up at the house. If he let go, if he went with the river, he didn't know if he would ever be back. But he was dead, and the mountains called, and Pearl was out there somewhere. He was sure of it. Goodbye, he said softly, and let the current take him. Thank you for listening to Novel. I hope you enjoyed this segment of our story. Please consider liking, subscribing, and reviewing the show to help the show grow, and also so that you don't miss out on the newest episodes. Thanks. This episode was read by Jonathan Keener, written by Shannon Baker, with hosting, production, and original music by Caleb Linville.